Thank you for joining our session today. The topic of this session is the Fair Labor Standards Act, or FLSA, Affected Employee Information. It is designed to help employees who are affected by the recent change in the FLSA regulation understand the upcoming changes and to start planning for next steps. This session lasts approximately 40 minutes. You are able to pause or stop the session at any time review previous slides, and review the entire session as many times as you wish. During the presentation, we will discuss what FLSA is, the change to the regulation, who is affected, and next steps. The Fair Labor Standards Act, FLSA, is a federal law that governs compensation of employees and other employment standards. It establishes minimum wage, overtime pay, record keeping, and youth employment standards affecting employees in the private sector and in federal, state, and local governments. The regulation that changes on December 1, 2016 relates to the payment of overtime. Some employees are exempt from this regulation, which means that employers are not required to comply. In most cases, for an employee to be exempt, the employee must be paid on a salary basis and at a level the federal government sets. As of December 1, 2016, the salary amount increases from $23,360 per year, or $455 per week, to $47,476 per year, or $913 per week. This salary level is required regardless of the number of hours worked per week or a part-time or full-time status. If an employee works less than full-time or less than 40 hours per week, the employee must still meet the salary threshold. If an employee works only part of the year, for example, 9 out of 12 months of the year, or 40 weeks out of 52, the employee must make at least $913 per week. The salary test does not apply to doctors, lawyers, or teachers, or those who primarily teach. There is a different salary threshold for a special category of employee that the regulations define as academic administrative personnel. Those are who help run higher education institutions and interact with students outside the classroom, such as department heads, academic counselors and advisors, or even academic intervention specialists. In addition to the salary level requirement for exemption, a job may be exempt if the duties of the position were considered a white-collar exemption, such as executive, administrative, professional, computer, or outside sales. Now, because of the increase in the salary level, some university employees who were exempt based on their job duties are no longer considered exempt because their salary is below the threshold. Therefore, they are affected by this change in the regulation. The United States Department of Labor has many resources available to help employees and employers understand this change in regulation. We encourage you to visit the Department of Labor website and review their resources. This slide is an example of a chart that helps explain that most jobs are required to meet the salary test. Human Resources has worked with units across campus to determine who is affected by this change based on the salary level, who is exempt as a teacher, lawyer, or doctor, and then also to identify who may be considered academic administrative and meet the lower salary threshold. Employees who are no longer exempt from this regulation as of December 1st are eligible for overtime or compensatory time off. Overtime is paid at one and one half the regular rate of pay for all hours worked over 40 in a work week. 
Certain employers, such as the university, may also allow employees to accumulate compensatory time off rather than be paid overtime when they work more than 40 hours in a work week. Compensatory time off is commonly referred to as comp time. This allows the employee to accumulate time off to use in the future at the rate of one and one half. We will review overtime and comp time in depth later in this presentation. Any employee who was previously exempt based on duties and salary, who now earns less than the new salary level and is not otherwise exempt, is therefore affected by this change. Employees who are affected will receive a letter in November from Human Resources regarding this change, informing them that they will be changing from salary exempt to hourly non-exempt on December 1, 2016. There are changes that will occur as university employees transition from being salary exempt to hourly non-exempt. In most cases, employees want to know what is affected and what is not. We will first review what is affected by this change. In summary, four areas are affected. Employees will be paid on an hourly basis starting December 1, 2016. They will be eligible for overtime and comp time. They will be required to document hours worked and then there will be a pay date change in March 2017. We will cover each of these changes in detail. The first area affected is that employees will be paid on an hourly basis starting December 1, 2016. This simply means that the wage rate is calculated by dividing the annual wage by the number of hours scheduled to work per year. There are a few examples that we will cover. Full-time employees are scheduled to work 40 hours per week, which equals 2,080 hours per year. The example on this slide shows an annual wage of $40,000 divided by 2,080 hours, which equals $19.23 per hour. If this employee works overtime, it would be paid at 1.5 the hourly wage, which is $28.85 per hour. Part-time employees are scheduled to work less than 40 hours per week. At the university, we use the term full-time equivalent, or FTE, which means the percentage of full-time work. As an example, an employee who works 20 hours per week is 0.5 FTE. The example on this slide shows an annual wage of $30,000 per year divided by 2,080 hours times 0.5 FTE, which equals 1,040 hours per year, which equals $28.85 per hour. If this employee works overtime, the employee would be paid at 1.5 the hourly wage, which equals $42.27 per hour. While it is unlikely a part-time employee would work more than 40 hours per week, if it does occur, the employee would be paid at the overtime rate. The second area that is affected is overtime and compensatory time off eligibility. Overtime is paid at a rate of one and one half when an employee works more than 40 hours per week. For the overtime rate to apply, the employee must actually work more than 40 hours per work week. UNL does not consider any paid leave as hours worked, and paid leave does not count toward the overtime calculation. Certain employers, such as the university, may also allow employees to accumulate compensatory time off rather than be paid overtime when they work more than 40 hours in a work week. Compensatory time off is commonly referred to as comp time. This allows the employee to accumulate time off to use in the future at the rate of one and one half with unit approval. Employees are not required to use comp time. 
A unit may ask an employee to use comp time, however, an employee cannot be required to do so. Units will have employees complete a comp time agreement in order to keep a record of the agreement to accumulate comp time. An employee at any time can choose to be paid overtime rather than accumulating comp time. There is a max of 60 hours for most positions. Comp time is paid out upon leaving UNL or upon unit discretion. Note that any changes in an employee's normal work schedule, which would include working more than the normally scheduled hours or working more than 40 hours per week, must be approved by a supervisor in advance. In order to comply with the regulations, it's important to know that overtime and comp time eligibility is based on the work week. The university's work week starts at 11.01 p.m. on Thursday and ends the following Thursday at 11 p.m. Employees who work evenings will need to be cognizant of this evening start and end time. For employees who do not work in the evening, their timekeeping records start on a Friday morning and end on the following Thursday. Eligibility for overtime and comp time is based on the number of actual hours worked. For the overtime rate to apply, the employee must actually work more than 40 hours per work week. Eligibility for overtime or comp time is based on the number of hours worked. For the overtime rate to apply, the employee must actually work more than 40 hours per work week. Example 1 illustrates earnings for an employee who works 40 hours, all regular hours, which includes weekly earnings of $800. Example 2 illustrates earnings for an employee who works 40 regular hours plus 2 extra hours, which is earning 2 hours of overtime, for a weekly earnings of $860. Example 3 illustrates earnings for an employee who works two extra hours but also takes eight hours of vacation. UNL does not consider any paid leave as hours worked and it does not count toward the overtime calculation. Regular hours are 34 at regular pay. Vacation hours are eight at regular pay with a total of 42 hours at regular pay, which equals a weekly earnings of $840. In this example, the employee did not work more than 40 hours, so the extra two hours are paid at the regular rate. The third area that is affected is a record-keeping requirement. In order for the university to compensate non-exempt employees for all hours worked, overtime, and allow comp time accrual, employees must document or record hours worked. This timekeeping requirement begins on Thursday, December 1st, 11.01 p.m., which for most employees means the record keeping begins on Friday, December 2nd. How this is documented is based on the employee's assigned unit's processes. This will include paper timesheets or perhaps an electronic timekeeping system. Units will inform employees of that process, including documentation and all approvals required. In order for employees to document hours worked, it's important to understand the definition of what counts as hours worked. The Department of Labor defines this as compensable time, time in which you must be compensated for working for an employer. There are special circumstances and considerations that may not be easily understood that we will discuss to help employees understand what counts as hours worked. Employees who have been paid as a salary-exempt monthly paid employee may not have a clear understanding about what counts as hours worked and what does not. 
The following chart will help employees understand this at a glance. The situations that are indicated as sometimes, see policy, actually depend on the particular situation. The Human Resources website includes an FLSA section with an hours worked fact sheet that will help employees understand some of the details and questions surrounding these situations. If you have questions, you can speak with your unit leadership or human resources. The university wants to ensure that employees are paid in compliance with the law. There are a few commonly misunderstood situations or errors made by employees or managers when recording hours worked. Here are a few that can occur and we will take a few moments to discuss each so that employees are informed about what is and what is not appropriate. In all of these examples, employees who work hours different from their normal schedule must have prior approval from a supervisor. Employees are not allowed to work without being paid. Employees cannot agree to volunteer time, for example, or simply work a few hours here and there in an effort to complete a task without being paid. Working outside of the normal work shift must be paid. If an employee normally works Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 as an example, and then works on Saturday to complete a project, the employee must be paid Monday through Friday plus Saturday. Starting work early or leaving work late must be paid. It's fairly common for employees to be early for work and start working or stay after the end of their shift to complete tasks. This must be paid time. Now, taking work home must be paid. This includes logging into software or computer system, checking email, using a smartphone, or even texting for work. Employees must have a conversation with their supervisors to understand when and if they are approved to take work home or work from home. Working off-site for a work-related special event or a task is considered hours worked. The location does not determine if it is hours worked or not. It's really whether the employee is performing work or not. Performing unusual duties like those that are not assigned normally but are work-related must be paid. Now travel time is sometimes paid. There are many examples of detailed scenarios about travel. We will give a quick overview here and be available for consultation or questions via phone or email. Assuming that the travel is work-related, what you need to know first is driving is always paid. If an employee is a passenger in a vehicle, plane, train, or bus during normal working hours, even on a Saturday or Sunday, the time spent as a passenger is paid time as a passenger outside of normal working hours is not paid. Work performed once an employee has arrived to the destination and is no longer in route is paid. Work-related trainings and meetings are paid. If the university is paying wages to attend a meeting, it is likely work-related. Training and meetings that are not required are outside of working hours and not work-related may not be paid. An employee must record actual hours worked, not the hours scheduled to work. It is fairly common for employees to want to disregard that their actual hours worked do not match what they're scheduled and record their scheduled hours instead. It's easy to see how simply turning in eight hours per day when the actual hours worked may be a bit more or a bit less would be easier. However, that would not be in compliance with the regulation and the university is required to compensate hourly employees based on hours worked, not on hours scheduled. If an employee works without it being approved or assigned, 
it will be paid as required by the regulation. However, employees must be aware that corrective action may occur if prior approval is not received. In summary, employees need to record hours worked on each day as they were worked, and questions about recording hours worked and the definition should be directed to your supervisor, unit leadership, or human resources. The most common error hourly employees make relates to a change in schedule. Here is an example to help employees understand how to document a change in a schedule. A supervisor may approve a change in a work schedule, thereby allowing an employee to work hours different from the normal schedule. All hours work must be recording during the work week that they are worked. The employee normally works Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. with a one-hour unpaid lunch. The work week is Thursday evening to the next Thursday. And as we discussed earlier, most timesheets for daytime workers will reflect the start day of Friday and end on Thursday the next calendar week. In example one, this employee has requested to work only six hours on Monday and work a longer day on Tuesday for 10 hours in order to be paid for 40 hours during that work week. That's easy to document because a shorter and longer day does not cross into the next work week. In example two, it's a little more tricky. Sometimes employees change their schedule and simply record the scheduled hours rather than hours worked and they want to call it good because the employee feels it kind of all evens out in the end. That is not in compliance with the law that requires recording of hours in the work week as worked. This example is also tricky because the work week of Friday through Thursday does not follow the calendar week of Monday through Friday. In this example, the employee is proved to work a different schedule of 10 hours on Thursday and then 6 hours on Friday. It's important to consider that the university work week is Friday through Thursday when improving a different work schedule and the effect on overtime. A common mistake is that the hours worked are recorded as they're normally scheduled to work, which would be 8 hours on Thursday and 8 hours on Friday rather than the actual hours worked. The correct documentation is to record 10 hours on Thursday and 6 hours on Friday. Recording 8 hours each day is a mistake because 1. Actual hours worked must be reflected on the time card accurately. 2. Overtime compensation laws require that an employee must be paid for hours worked over 40 in the work week based on when the hours are actually worked. Week 1 requires 2 hours of overtime payment. And number 3. Under UNL policy, full-time employees must either work 40 hours per week or use applicable paid leave to total 40 hours of pay for the week. Week 2 requires a payment of 38 hours to comply with federal law for hours worked, plus UNL requires full-time employees to work or be paid for 40 hours. The fourth and final affected area by moving from salary exempt to hourly non-exempt is a change in pay cycles. Pay practices at the university require affected employees to convert from being paid monthly on a salary basis to being paid bi-weekly on an hourly basis, which results in a change in pay periods and pay dates. The university has two pay cycles. Salary-exempt employees are paid monthly. Monthly paid employees are paid once per month with 12 checks per year and paid for time worked in the current month. Hourly non-exempt employees are paid bi-weekly. They're paid every two weeks are paid two weeks in arrears, which means two weeks later, with 26 paychecks per year. There are two months in the year when biweekly employees receive three paychecks. Those months do not have most deductions taken from that paycheck. 
For the employees affected by this change, this conversion results in a delay in pay and a lower paycheck during the month of the conversion. The university is implementing the conversion to the biweekly pay cycle in March 2017 to give employees time to adjust to that delay in pay. Employees will record hours work starting Friday, December 2nd and will continue to be paid on a monthly basis through February 2017. If applicable, overtime will be paid on the monthly paychecks according to a posted schedule and compensatory time off will accumulate. In summary, from December 2016 to February 2017, employees will be paid on the normal monthly pay date and be paid exactly the same unless unpaid leave is recorded or additional hours or overtime are worked. There will be a partial adjustment March paycheck on March 30, 2017 for hours worked from March 1st through March 16th. The March paycheck will include a reduced number of paid work days than the normal full month of pay. A full month of benefits and most deductions will be subtracted. Please note that this results in approximately half of the normal gross pay and that's before full deductions are subtracted for the month. So please plan accordingly. The first bi-weekly check will be on Thursday, April 13, 2017 and that will be for hours worked from March 17 to March 30, 2017 and that will include bi-weekly benefit deductions. Bi-weekly deductions generally are half of the monthly deductions, with a few exceptions. This slide with a calendar view may help you understand how and when paychecks will be paid. The red dates illustrate that from December 2016 to February 2017, employees will be paid on the normal monthly pay date and be paid exactly the same unless unpaid leave or overtime or additional hours are recorded. The orange dates show the partial adjustment March paycheck on March 30, 2017. That's for the pay period of hours worked from March 1st through March 16, 2017. This will include 16 calendar days of pay, a reduced number of paid work days than the normal full month of pay, and full benefit deductions will be deducted. The green dates show the April biweekly pay periods. The paycheck for April 13th 2017 for the pay period March 17, 2017 through March 30, 2017, and then the paycheck on April 27 for the pay period of March 31 through April 13, 2017. These paychecks will include biweekly benefit deductions. This information is available on the Human Resources website under FLSA payroll conversion. This slide illustrates what's affected on the March check specifically and it's illustrated in orange. Earnings are for 16 calendar days. If additional hours are worked beyond the normal schedule, all hours worked are paid and overtime is paid for hours worked over 40 in the work week. Comp time earned during this conversion period may be paid on this check, which would be by request of the employee and if it's approved by the unit comp time payout is always at the discretion of the unit. Most deductions will be calculated at the entire month's rate, just like former monthly checks. Later in this presentation we will review details regarding deductions. This check will include about half of the normal month's earnings and a full month of deductions. Payroll will be able to provide an estimate of employee net pay in February for 
use in planning finances. This slide indicates when employees will be paid for any overtime or additional hours worked during the period from December to April. This information is available on the Human Resources website under FLSA Payroll Conversion. Now we will review what's affected on the April paychecks shown in green. The pay date on Thursday, April 13, 2017 is for the pay period March 17th through March 30th. And then the pay date on April 27, 2017 is for pay from March 31st through April 13th. Earnings are for 14 calendar days each check and overtime or additional hours are paid if they are worked. With respect to deductions, April 13th starts bi-weekly deductions. Most deductions will be calculated at the bi-weekly rate, which is about half of the monthly deduction rate, with a few exceptions. Later in this presentation, we will review the deduction details. These checks will include approximately half of your normal net pay. Payroll will be able to provide an estimate of employee net pay for use in planning finances. The details of an employee's paycheck, earnings, and deductions are individualized and can be very detailed and complicated. Not all employees have the same earnings or deductions. And the following slides will be helpful in understanding the details about how paycheck deductions will be calculated in March and April and any action required by employees. It's really important for employees to understand deductions are either set up as a flat dollar amount or a percentage of earnings. Some deductions will be changed by our payroll system automatically, and some deductions require action on the part of the employee. This slide specifically relates to benefit deductions. All insured benefits will be deducted at the monthly rate on March 30th and automatically converted to the biweekly rate on April 13th and after. There is no action required. With respect to flexible spending accounts, they will not be deducted on March 30th and will be adjusted to a biweekly rate automatically on April 13th and after. This will be calculated by spreading the remaining balance over the rest of the year. It will be slightly more than half of the monthly deduction. There is no action required, but please note that dependent care funds cannot be reimbursed until they are deducted from a paycheck. Therefore, any expenses incurred in March for dependent care may not be available for reimbursement until the April 13th paycheck deduction. These funds are only available to be used up to the year-to-date amount deducted from the paycheck. Now let's spend some time on retirement. We have three plans to discuss. 401A is elected as a percentage. This percentage will not change. The dollar amount that is deducted will not be the same as the normal dollar amount an employee would see on a monthly check since it's a percentage of gross pay. For example, if an employee normally earns $2,000 per month and elects 5.5% as the deduction, the monthly deduction would result in $110. However, if an employee's March 30th check is $1,000 with a 5.5% deduction, the result would be $55 there is no action required. For the 403B Supplemental Plan and 457B Deferred Compensation Plan, they are either elected as a percent or a flat dollar amount. If it is a percent election, 
the elected percentage will be deducted from earnings. If there is a desired change in the election percent, you must contact the benefits office. If a change is desired, it must be submitted according to this schedule. If your 403B or 457B is elected as a flat dollar amount, UNL Benefits will contact you directly to confirm your desired election. If a change is desired, a new election form must be completed. If an employee does nothing, the flat dollar amount will be deducted. Please note that this could result in a deduction that is much larger than desired on paychecks in which earnings are lower. If a change is desired, it must be submitted according to this schedule. This slide relates to additional taxes, banking, and loans that some employees elect. Additional taxes withheld for federal or state taxes are elected as a flat dollar amount. The March 30th check and after will remain as a flat dollar amount if the employee does not change the election. Additional deposits of earnings into more than one financial or banking institution are elected as a flat dollar amount. The March 30th check and after will remain as that flat dollar amount if the employee does not change the election. Please note that employees who elect to have multiple deposits are often relying on that deposit to fund a loan or some other important personal financial situation. So please carefully consider how these paychecks will be affected by any additional banking deposits. The University Credit Union loan through UNL payroll deduction is elected as a flat dollar amount. The March 30th check and after will remain as that flat dollar amount if the employee does not contact the credit union to discuss options for changing this election. If a change is desired for taxes, banking, or the credit union, it must be submitted according to the schedule. The university's Employee Assistance Plan Emergency Loan Fund will be calculated at the monthly amount in March and converted automatically to a biweekly amount in April and beyond. There is no action required. This slide relates to other deductions that some employees elect. UNL Child Care will not be deducted on March 30th. Employees must contact UNL Child Care by February 28th to arrange for a direct payment starting in March. UNL Parking is a flat dollar amount. The March 30th check will be the monthly amount and will be automatically converted to biweekly in April. There is no action required. UNL Campus Recreation is a flat dollar amount deduction. The March 30th check will be the monthly amount. The April 13th check will not have a campus rec deduction because the Recreation Center only deducts once a month on the last paycheck. Therefore, the April 27th check will include a flat dollar amount, which is the same as your normal monthly deduction. There is no action required. United Way Contributions and NU Foundation, both on the March 30th check, will be the monthly amount and will be automatically converted to a biweekly deduction. There is no action required. Any NCAR deductions will be taken based on the amount spent, just like normal. There is no action required. Lead Center tickets will be the monthly amount elected in March, and after March, there are no further deductions. There is no action required. Garnishment orders are determined based on the deduction amount and your earnings each paycheck. It is suggested that employees contact the garnisher to better understand the amount of the deduction for each paycheck.
To summarize, we have provided an employee payroll to-do list with the following required and suggested actions with respect to retirement, UNL child care, taxes, banking deposits, credit union loans, garnishments, and lastly, it's important that employees take the time to consider many things with respect to financial planning for this pay cycle change. This might include reviewing the deduction detail information, understanding how pay cycles work, consider your personal financial situation and how you might bridge the gap of pay during the month of March, and certainly use resources such as the Employee Assistance Program, contacting the credit union, union bank, and other financial institutions. Employees with questions can contact benefits or payroll directly with any questions regarding this information. There are several areas that are not affected by this change in regulation. Employees' wages, job category and appointments, insured benefits, and paid leave benefits remain the same. The first area that is not affected are wages. The wage rate does not change. The monthly pay rate will be converted to an hourly pay rate December 1, 2016 as discussed earlier. If an employee works less than the normal schedule and has unpaid leave, earnings will be less. However, employees are eligible for additional compensation if they work more than the scheduled shift and overtime or comp time is available if an employee works more than 40 hours in a work week. The second area that is not affected is the job category or appointment type. Affected employees maintain their current job category and appointment type, like managerial professional, faculty, postdoc, etc., and the current rights and privileges remain the same. While normally, when an employee converts from salary exempt to hourly non-exempt, there may be a change in status or appointment type, however, that is not the case with employees affected by this regulation change. The third area that is not affected are benefits. Insurance benefits and vacation and sick leave benefits remain exactly the same. While normally when employees convert from salary exempt to hourly non-exempt there may be a change in benefits which can affect paid leave. That is not the case with employees affected by this regulation change. This concludes the session on information for employees affected by the FLSA regulation change. We realize employees may have additional questions. Human Resources will be hosting FLSA open houses in December and February. Affected employees are invited to attend the upcoming FLSA open houses anytime during the hours listed. Questions can be directed to Human Resources, payroll, or benefits directly via email or phone. Thank you very much for your time.